Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and I don't know if you can tell, but I know deep down in my heart that I am extremely excited to share with you all my first game preview video for the 2023 college football season. My team and I have worked day and night as hard as we possibly can to bring you the best football content for the 2023 season, and it starts today. We couldn't have made this channel without you guys. The support and the interaction that you give helps me tremendously. And let's have a phenomenal 2023 football season. And it started last week on Saturday, August 26th. And it resumes again this Thursday at August 31st. The Minnesota Golden Gophers have been one of the Big Ten's more underrated and consistent football teams ever since P.J. Fleck took over. Fleck started out rough in 2017 and 2018 before taking his team to nearly unforeseen heights in 2019, going 11-2, 7-2 in the Big Ten, and finishing in the top 10 with the Minnesota Gold Gophers. After struggling in 2020, Minnesota has went 9-4 in back-to-back -back seasons in 2021 and 2022. Tanner Morgan, a quarterback who's been starting for the previous several seasons ever since, I believe, the middle of 2018, has finally departed the program after he ran out of eligibility, and Minnesota will be starting new quarterback Ethan Kaliakmanis, and with running back Muhammad Ibrahim also running out of eligibility and declaring for the NFL draft after the conclusion of 2022, Minnesota's offense looks to potentially have a different more pass-heavy look entering the 2023 season. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, nothing has been going right for them ever since 2017. Mike Riley's final year with Bob Diaco as defensive coordinator was just an abject disaster. The Cornhuskers thought they made the home run hire of perhaps the history of college football in hiring Scott Frost from the University of Central Florida which, by the way, I think in a few years could be a Big 12 powerhouse with fertile recruiting grounds, Gus Malzahn as its head coach, and the Knights now playing in a Power 5 conference. But to get back to Scott Frost, he went 13-0 with the Knights in 2017, beating the Auburn Tigers in the Peach Bowl, the same team that was national champion Alabama's only loss in 2017. UCF also beat Memphis, USF, and a collection of other good teams in an underrated American conference that year, along with, I believe, Power 5 opponent Maryland, and of course, Auburn in the Peach Bowl. That Auburn team went 10-4, and beat Georgia and Alabama in the regular season, and Scott Frost was the hottest name on the coaching board. In 2018, his team went 4-8. and They looked very much improved at the end of the season. 2019 was a total facepalm with Adrian Martinez going from a dark horse Heisman candidate to one of the worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten and not staying healthy. Nebraska also had a rough season like Minnesota in 2020, and in 2021, I, along with many others, expected Nebraska to go bowling. Instead, they went 3-9, and nine, although looking far more competitive than I and many others thought they were going to look despite going 3-9. and nine gaining the reputation of being the best 3-9 and nine team in college football history. I mistakenly predicted the Huskers to go 10-2, and two, 
2022, and I was also high on the Minnesota Golden Gophers that same year. Unfortunately for Scott Frost, he was 1-2 after losing to Georgia Southern in Week 2 of the college football season, and he was fired, with Mickey Joseph taking over as the interim head coach. My optimism about Minnesota proved to be true as they went 8-4 in the regular season. Nebraska went 4-8, upset Iowa, and now has Matt Rule as their new head coach. Matt Rule then hired Marcus Satterfield as his OC from South Carolina, brought in quarterback Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, who is an amazing athlete, dual-threat quarterback, probably the truest dual-threat quarterback in the Big Ten, and Matt Rule would affirm that. And he also hired defensive coordinator Tony White from Syracuse, who's bringing in a new 3-3-5 defense. To go back to Minnesota very briefly, their home environment is intimidating, and they also retained defensive coordinator Joe Rossi. They did lose Kirk Sharaka to Rutgers, who hired him on a over $1 million a year deal as OC, but they promoted from within, hiring Greg Harbaugh Jr. to be the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, along with Matt Simon, who's been with the program for several years. P.J. Fleck knows how to build a great culture, and I think Minnesota has one of the best cultures in the college football world, and they're also one of the best developmental programs in the nation, and Matt Rule also knows how to build a good culture. See his previous stops at Temple and Baylor. So from a head coaching perspective, both of these schools have great head coaches. They do have new pieces. Minnesota has very low returning production. Nebraska has high returning production, but they have a first-year staff. Minnesota's staff has been the definition of consistent since about day one of P.J. Fleck's arrival. So let's preview the matchup. Nebraska went 4-8 and eight last season. Minnesota went 9-4, and four, beating Syracuse in the pinstripe bowl. The game will be played in Huntington Bank Stadium, which is Minnesota's home field. And the Cornhuskers are ranked 53rd in ESPN's FPI, and the Minnesota Golden Gophers are ranked 44th in ESPN's Football Power Index. According to my Potential Power Index, which I did not include in this year's preview and prediction videos because the Potential Power Index right now is only outfitted for Power 5 teams, and I want it to be outfitted for everyone before I officially include it in every video for predictions, Minnesota is 16th, and I know that for a fact. Nebraska is in the mid-30s. So according to my power rankings, and also in my personal opinion, both Minnesota and Nebraska are underrated by ESPN's FPI, though Minnesota is far more undervalued, in my opinion, than the Huskers are. Um, Minnesota is favored, nonetheless, by a 67.3% chance to win, according to the Football Power Index, and the current line is Minnesota minus 7, which doesn't surprise me because, as Corn Crazed mentioned in his preview video for this game, Nebraska has lost to Minnesota by 7 points in the previous two seasons. Perhaps it was 3, but they also lost in 2020, and they got absolutely blown off the field in 2019, Nebraska did, which was Minnesota giving payback for Nebraska destroying them, in 2018. Minnesota currently is on a four-game win streak against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and their home field environment is intimidating. Just ask James Franklin when his team played there in 2019. 
Ask Ryan Day when Ohio State played there in 2021 and P.J. Fleck was literally coaching Ohio State's players and coaches' tails off until Muhammad Ibrahim went down. That stadium is loud, especially at night. This is an 8 p.m. kickoff Thursday. It gives me the same feeling that it gave me back in 2021 when it was also a Thursday night kickoff, 8 p.m. game for Minnesota, hosting this time a much tougher opponent in Ohio State. Now here they're hosting Nebraska, but Nebraska is definitely going to put up a fight as well. I just think that everyone, including Cornhusker fans, understands that Nebraska this year won't be as good as Ohio State was in 2021. And even that Ohio State team had their own faults. But the line of minus seven is completely understandable. Minnesota is not known to be a team who has dominant wins, especially against opponents who have comparable or superior talent to them. And Nebraska has superior talent due to years of better recruiting. Also, Nebraska did use the transfer portal, you know, bringing in Jeff Sims, bringing in Eric Gilbert, who got arrested the other day. However, that was still a big addition at the time also bringing in MJ Sherman from Georgia, and many other players as well. So Nebraska's roster is not barren despite year after year of losing seasons. And we'll get more into the roster in a few minutes, but just from a a base view, these two teams seem to be evenly matched. I think that Minnesota is the better team. However, the better team doesn't always win. It's the first game of the year which means there will be cogs to work through. There will be mistakes. This is not going to be a mistake-free game for either team. I can guarantee you that, and I think that privately both coaching staffs would say the same thing. Minnesota, in my opinion, will have to go through an identity change if they want to maximize their chance to win, as they're more built to pass this year than they have been since 2019, when they had Tyler Johnson... And also that Rashad Bateman nearly forgot that NFL player's name. Shame on me. And Nebraska is going through a complete identity change and culture change after Scott Frost wrecked the program for five years in a row. So Minnesota's favored by seven points. They're favored to win about two out of three times, according to ESPN's FPI. And in my own opinion, and via my power rankings, it would be about the same thing. So Minnesota definitely is the favorite, and I would say the same when looking at the roster. Let's break it down. At head coach, P.J. Fleck has been the definition of consistent, and I think he's also the definition of doing more with less. He's 44 and 27 at Minnesota, and P.J. Fleck is also 26 and 26 in Big Ten Conference play. His only non-conference loss was to Bowling Green, a terrible Bowling Green team, by the way, in 2021, which was a total what-in-the-crap-just-happened type of game. 44-27 and 27 at Minnesota is an impressive record. He's 4-0 in bowl games, and he has a top-10 finish with an 11-2 record, which featured a top-10 impressive win over the Penn State Nittany Lions, who were ranked fourth at the time in 2019. He also beat Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, Purdue. Pretty easy schedule, and also beat a ranked Auburn team in the Outback Bowl, but lost to two good opponents in Iowa and Wisconsin that year as well. 
Fleck has picked up some other ranked wins too. For example, in 2021, the Golden Gophers beat number 14 Wisconsin, and they competed with ranked Iowa and Ohio State for, I would say, three to four quarters of those games, respectively. Matt Rule, on the other hand, his best season was 11-3 with a loss in the Sugar Bowl in 2019 with Baylor. So both coaches have something in commonality. Their best season was in 2019 at the collegiate level. At Baylor, Matt Rule went 13-14 and in conference play over three years and had a 19-20 and overall record. But that's a deceiving record because what he inherited after the Baylor sexual assault scandal was nothing short of near the death penalty. And he rebuilt that roster into a team that competed with Oklahoma twice and also Georgia once in the Sugar Bowl. Baylor that year finished ranked number 12 in the coaches' poll, 13th in the AP poll. And before his time at Baylor, Matt Rule had a 28-23 record at Temple and a 19-13 record in the American Athletic Conference while with the Temple Owls. I would give P.J. Fleck the slight edge at head coach, and I would give his staff a larger edge, as I think that Joe Rossi is a better defensive coordinator than Tony White is. However, I would say that Marcus Satterfield is a better offensive coordinator than Greg Harbaugh or Matt Simonar. I also like Minnesota's strength and conditioning staff better, and their offensive line coach knows what he is doing in the trenches. And Minnesota also has a great history of developing at the wide receiver and defensive back position. At quarterback, I have to give the edge to Nebraska almost immediately. Wouldn't even think about it for a second chance. And that's because Jeff Sims is a phenomenal athlete. That's why. Jeff Sims played at Georgia Tech from 2020 to 2022. He never had a good coaching staff, didn't have any wide receivers to throw to outside of, you know, if you classify him as a receiver, maybe Jameer Gibbs in 2021 and 2022, 2020 I meant. But he transferred to Alabama in 2022, and Jeff Collins, much like Scott Frost, could never get things rolling at Georgia Tech. With Jeff Sims transferring to a school in Nebraska that has good talent at wide receiver, running back, and also tight end, and a good offensive coordinator, I expect him to have a breakout season for sure. On the other hand, Ethan Kaliakmanis last year had 942, 46 passing yards. He had three passing touchdowns, four interceptions. He had a great game against Minnesota and also had 140 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. I meant to say a great game against Wisconsin. In that game against Wisconsin, of course, he passed for 319 yards, had a 180 passer rating, and a 91.9 quarterback efficiency ranking. He's 6'4", 210 pounds. He's more athletic and has a stronger arm than Tanner Morgan, but I have some concerns about how consistent he is, and I think Jeff Sims' veter um, veteranacy, as well as the fact that he has Heinrich Harburg and Chubba Purdy to back him up, meanwhile, Ethan Kaliakmanis just has Colt Kramer to back him up, means Nebraska's quarterback room is the higher upside, along with greater depth. At running back, Nebraska, I think, is the deeper room with Anthony Grant, Gabe Irvin Jr., and Ramir Johnson, all of whom have played for several years outside of Anthony Grant with the Huskers, and Anthony Grant last year had nearly 1,000 yards. Now, I could totally be wrong here. I think there's an argument for Nebraska to have the better running back room. 
However, I trust Sean Tyler, and Sean Tyler transferred in from Western Michigan. Tyler had a thousand, a thousand rushing yards last year on a five and seven Western Michigan team, who was so bad that they had to fire their head coach Tim Lester, who, whose alma mater was Western Michigan. He had seven rushing touchdowns, averaged 4.9 yards per carry, and being at Minnesota with the coaching they have, I expect he is going to blossom. He had another 1,000-yard campaign in 2021 where he had nine rushing touchdowns and averaged 6.5 yards per carry. Minnesota, behind Sean Tyler, has Darius Taylor, a true freshman, projected as the second-string running back, and Zach Evans and Bryce Williams, Williams being with the program for several seasons and consistently subbing in and being reliable when, you know, in 2021, both Trey Potts and Muhammad Ibrahim were down, and also at times in 2022 seeing action as well. He's very reliable. I think Nebraska has better quality depth However, I think that Sean Tyler is going to prove to be the best individual running back, and Minnesota's depth is close, in my mind, to Nebraska's depth. Up next, we have wide receiver and tight end. I'm going to group these together because they're receivers, and also because I think that in the case of, I would say, Nebraska, the wide receiver talent just engulfs the tight end talent. With Eric Gilbert being arrested and Nate Borkacher and Thomas Fedone being unproven, I would give a heavy advantage at tight end to Minnesota, who is Nick Callerup, one of the best blocking tight ends in the country, and Brevin Spanford, who's also one of the best blocking tight ends in the country. Both Callerup and Spanford weigh 270 pounds exactly, Spanford being 6'7", Callerup being 6'5", and Spanford last year had 42 receptions for 497 yards, two receiving touchdowns, and averaged 11.8 yards per reception. I expect him to have well over 500 receiving yards this season and also have more than five receiving touchdowns as I think Minnesota will pass the ball around more. Wide receiver was very close. Nebraska has Marcus Washington, who had 471 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown last year, and they also bring back Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda who nearly transferred out of the program, but decided to return when Matt Rule was hired, and he has 120 receiving yards in his career at Nebraska and one receiving touchdown, the majority of which were collected during a game against Northwestern to kick off the 2022 season. Nebraska's also bringing in Billy Kemp IV from Virginia, who nearly had 1,000 yards in 2021. Minnesota once again used the transfer portal to level up their team, bringing in Corey Crooms from Western Michigan, Elijah Spencer, who had 1,000 yards at Charlotte as their wide receiver one, Daniel Jackson had over 200, not 200, 500 receiving yards in 2022, and Chris Altman-Bell, who's been with the program as I believe as a sixth-year senior, he's been at Minnesota for six years, he is still with the team. Daniel Jackson had 557 receiving yards, and then Chris Altman-Bell had 214. On the offensive line, I give Minnesota the edge. For obvious reasons, Nebraska does not have proper depth at the offensive line position due to years of poor recruiting and development. Minnesota, on the other hand, has been the exact opposite. They've arguably recruited worse out of high school than Nebraska has at the offensive line and then developed and nurtured John Michael Schmitz into an NFL offensive center. 
And I don't think Nathan Bowie is going to be any different. He's a redshirt senior. Same with Tyler Cooper and Quinn Carroll at guard. And Ariante Arise and Martez Lewis are redshirt juniors at tackle. There is a lack of experience there, but I believe that Minnesota does have seniority at that position. Minnesota is not a program with a seniority problem, and they know how to develop. And Cooper, Carroll, Bowie and the tackles as well, did have good ratings according to PFF, especially Bowie, who played some time, I believe, at both center and guard last season. I expect Bowie to have over 900 snaps played and to be one of the highest rated and best centers in all of college football. Nebraska does have some hope at the offensive line. Norden Newley is back, and he was, in my opinion, going to be Nebraska's best offensive lineman in 2022 either him or Kevin Williams, who transferred out of the program, before Newley was suspended for performance-enhancing drug use. I think he has a chance to have a breakout season. Ben Scott at center for now, I would say, is going to be Nebraska's best offensive lineman. Turner Corcoran, who is a top 100 player, has yet to have a good year. And at this point, I think as a junior, I think he is who he is, sadly. On the defensive line, Nebraska lost Caleb Tanner. Garrett Nelson, Ochon Mathis, and they have some, they're pretty thin at defensive end and also at tackle. Minnesota, they don't have a history of having an elite defensive line by any stretch, but they do return Kyler Baugh, who I have on my honorable mention all Big Ten team. I think that both defensive lines are not great. They're probably good or maybe close to great in Big Ten scale, but I'd give Minnesota the edge here. Linebackers close. Defensive back, I'd say Minnesota returning Tyler Newbin and also Justin Wally at safety and corner. That's ditto for me. Both of those are all Big Ten, third team, second team, or first team players. Nebraska has a lot of upside at defensive back. However, they don't have much proven talent, although I would look out for Malcolm Hartzog for Nebraska, and I would also look for Omar Brown, who was an All-American at Northern Iowa. This is the thing about Nebraska. They do have more star talent, and in theory and on paper, more raw talent and a higher upside than Minnesota does. I just think that Minnesota, with that those years and years compounded upon each other of development and nurturing, it's going to be hard to come out and with one preseason not even having coached a game yet, no disrespect to Matt Rule, it's going to be hard to have the better team immediately. It's going to be very challenging. Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, MJ Sherman, who's a hybrid edge player, that's a stacked linebacker room. I think that Nebraska has the higher upside at linebacker. Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer, though, I would say whether it's for health or overall play, I have some questions about and Ryan Selig, Cody Lindenberg, who's a proven player at linebacker, Joey Gerlash, and Minnesota, once again, I think is just developed and nurtured better at the position and has more depth. Special teams, however, the second positional advantage for Nebraska is because Timmy Bleakrode and Brian Buscini and Tristan Alvano. Timmy Bleakrode is a much more reliable kicker than anyone Nebraska has had in years, 
And he's going to be the second stringer behind Tristan Alvano, who was one of the best high school kickers in Nebraska football history. And Brian Buscini was a major upgrade at punter last season. Special teams were not the problem for Nebraska in 2022. They will be even better, especially with Billy Kemp the fourth at punt returner. They'll be even better in 2023. The problem in 2022, of course, is everything but the special teams unit went wrong. Minnesota at kicker will have Dra- um, Dragon Kesich, who's a senior. Mark Crawford, a senior, will also be the punter. The punt returner will once again be Quinton Redding, along with the primary kick returner. He was one of the better kick returners and punt returners in the Big Ten last year. So that's the roster breakdown and positional advantage preview. Now let's talk about some players to watch. I think that Jeff Sims for Nebraska is absolutely the player to watch. If there is one player, and maybe I'm taking this too far, but who I would make an Anthony Richardson comparison to in the Big Ten, it would be Jeff Sims. The upside, the floor, both of which are, you know, a concerningly low floor, and I think an an upside that is very hard to tap into, he's absolutely a player to watch. He may not be the MVP, though I think he will be. I have more faith in Jeff Sims than a lot of people do. I think he'll be the fourth best quarterback in the conference, and he will carry this team and will this team to a bowl game. Looking at Jeff Sims and the player that he is coming in from Georgia Tech, even with an offensive line that is among the bottom half, obviously, at the Big Ten, the wide receivers, the coaching, the running backs, and even parts of the offensive line are better than anything he you know, saw at Georgia Tech. And he'll be facing better defenses and better teams, but with better coaching and what I think is a much better culture, 6'4", 220 pounds, and he's also had a career of 1,166 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns, despite also having 51 career sacks just that knocked him down. Looking at all of that, I think that Jeff Sims against a defense especially that isn't known for its pass rush and that's known for capitalizing off of mistakes, not necessarily for getting in the backfield or having aggressive highlight reel plays. That's what Joe Rossi's defense is. Similar to Iowa's in my mind, waiting for you to make a mistake, except they don't have the same pass rush or upside that Iowa does. And I think for a player like Jeff Sims, he'll match up with that defense pretty well. And I think that his arm strength, his talent, his leadership, he's going to be the best quarterback on the field on Thursday. And it won't be close either. He is much better in my mind than Nathan Kaliak-Manis is. So pay attention to Jeff Sims. And then for tight end Brevin Spanford, Brevin Spanford, In 2022, we've already talked about him, had 497 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, but he led the team in receptions with 42. I think Brevin Spanford presents a matchup problem with the entire Nebraska defense. Now, under Scott Frost, the linebacker core was known to be far better at defending the pass, for example, than defending the run. They struggled against defending the run. Well, with Brevin Spanford, his height his weight. I mean, he could probably match up pound for pound with some of Nebraska's front 
front seven players or front six with the 3-3-5, which would be very impressive. And he can catch the ball. And he's a sixth-year player, so he has the experience, the upside, the development. He knows the playbook. And I think that against whether it's MJ Sherman, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, or any of the defensive backs, I think he'll be a mismatch problem. I don't think he will be easily covered. And then maybe if it was just Brevin Spanford, Nebraska could double-team him. But with Corey Crooms, Elijah Spencer, I didn't even talk about Lameke Brockington, who's a redshirt sophomore, but also Chris Altman-Bell and Daniel Jackson, Minnesota can go five wide and have multiple receivers, receivers who are capable, not just bodies to put out there to prevent a double team or to try and get a guy wide open, but guys who one-on-one can make plays happen. That's a lethal passing offense. And if Ethan Kaliakmanis is protected by his offensive line, and I think his offensive line will be among the nation's best, even though I don't view Ethan Kaliakmanis as even a top seven Big Ten quarterback, with the supporting cast that he has, he'll probably statistically look like one. And Nebraska's defense does have holes to it. And in, in, in a different way for Jeff Sims, I think Sims is the better quarterback, but Sims won't have the same supporting cast. His offensive line will be inferior. The tight end room, while I think Thomas Fedone will have a breakout season, isn't nearly as proven as Minnesota's. And the wide receivers, they're great, just like Minnesota's again. Just that that trench mismatch in favor of Minnesota will not work in Nebraska's favor. Nonetheless, Sims, as I've mentioned before, has had to deal with poor supporting casts. And at Georgia Tech, he amassed 4,464 career passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns, 23 interceptions, though. So another thing to watch for Jeff Sims is, does he turn the ball over? Does he make mistakes? Now that we've previewed the roster, the players to watch, and where the game's being played, let's talk about my prediction. My prediction for this game is Minnesota 38, Nebraska 17. Minnesota will win, and they will cover big time. Now, why is this? Nebraska is outmatched in the trenches, and this win is a tough ask for any new coaching staff. Ohio State entering in 2021, for example, against Minnesota. They struggled for three quarters, and the only reason they pulled away, well, it wasn't the only reason, but there were a multitude of reasons. Muhammad Ibrahim going down, and Trey Potts and the backup running backs just not being the same tank or super heavy tank that Muhammad Ibrahim was. Another thing was Ohio State's depth. Their talent was far superior, and they also had a legendary wide receiver core. And C.J. Stroud, who despite not being an elite quarterback yet in that game, was still a great quarterback. And that was against Ohio State. This Minnesota team, I think, will be better than the 2021 team. Nebraska obviously isn't Ohio State, but that's comparing the past to the present. In reality and in the present, I look at the trenches and see that Minnesota on both sides, offensive and defensive line, has an advantage over Nebraska's offensive line and defensive line. Nebraska should still go bowling, though, after this loss. I think that this Husker team is too talented to have a losing record with their schedule in the Big Ten West. They don't face Michigan and Ohio State for in the same season, like they did from 
they did in 2021, and then they faced Ohio State every year from 2016 to 2021, I believe. I don't think they faced them in 2015, but they faced Ohio State every year for a while, and it really did mess with Nebraska because that was like a blowout win for the Buckeyes every time. And then in 2021, Nebraska faced four top 10 teams in the same season, and I don't think that will happen here. Of course, we can never know, but an easier schedule, a much better coaching staff, and a roster who in some cases was adequately developed by Frost. They could just never game plan with the players they developed. Now with a better staff, better culture, and also incoming transfers that were brought in out of need, not out of desperation, all those things will work in the Huskers' favor, and they'll have their first bowl game since the 2016 season. Minnesota will command the game under the lights because of their trench advantage, their skill position advantage at all places except quarterback, and their secondary and lethal, silent but deadly defense, I think, will force two turnovers. And the way that trench play and Big Ten football works, especially with a team like Minnesota, who I think is similar to Paul Christ's Wisconsin, just with a more adaptable head coach and P.J. Fleck, means they will control time of possession and choke you to death. That's what Big Ten West teams typically do. And around 40 minutes of T.O.P., might sound completely crazy. However, I want to bring you back to the 2022 Minnesota versus Nebraska game. That was a game where Minnesota won by seven points, just like in 2022. Minnesota in that game was trailing. They were trailing, in fact, for I think an entire half. They ended up winning 20-13, to 13, and they were playing against Logan Smothers, and Chubba Purdy, Casey Thompson was out, and Ethan Kaliak-Manis was in, and he did not have a good game. Nonetheless, Minnesota outgained Nebraska 300-267 to in yards, and Minnesota had 34 minutes and 41 seconds of T.O.P. In 2021, Minnesota won 30-23, to and despite Nebraska being healthy, having Ramir Johnson at running back, who there were injuries at running back, but Ramir Johnson was a very good back, in my opinion, playing behind that O-line. Martinez had that broken jaw, which obviously affected his play in 2021. Still a trooper, still had a great season in 2021, all things considered. Minnesota had two turnovers, Nebraska had none, and Minnesota had 38 minutes and one second of T.O.P. There is a total possibility that Minnesota walks away with 40 minutes of T.O.P., and dominating every second of this game with short passes to Brevin Spanford and those wide receivers on slants, for example, or corners, or any kind of short to medium range route, and just baiting Nebraska's defense. I don't think Minnesota will be into trying to make big plays, and also running the football. And I think all things considered, Minnesota will control the game. It will be competitive for a half, maybe for three quarters, but with turnovers forced, probably one from Sims, maybe two from Sims, but I'd say guaranteed one from Sims. The second one could be from the quarterback himself or another player. With the turnover advantage, dominating time of possession, and a far better defense in trenches, Minnesota will come out on top and cover the spread. 
Thank you guys so much for watching this preview and predictions video. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts down below on this matchup, and let me know who you think is going to win. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye.